What is up, my friends and fellow busy bees? Although I've talked about it on the podcast before, today we're going to talk yet again about the selling prices of your refinished furniture. Because not only do I think it's something that you should be periodically taking a look at, but it's just a topic that again and again I hear people having questions about, whether I am putting up a question box on Instagram looking for questions that people have about furniture refinishing or when I'm looking at the questions that are posted in different groups that I'm in on Reddit or Facebook where people talk about different things related to furniture painting and refinishing. So often I see people asking about pricing and putting a photo of their piece and saying what would you list this for or asking people what equation they use to determine their pricing or perspective that they use or how they go about it. And I have some tangible things that you can implement in your furniture refinishing side hustle or business today. And also some reminders as we think about pricing our pieces and everything that goes into that. Of course, we're going to we're going to link it back to our mindsets and some motivationally related topics as we tend to do. So like I mentioned, I think looking at what you are pricing your pieces at is something that you should be doing periodically at least once a year, if not more often, because depending where you are in your journey of learning how to do furniture flipping, you may be progressing in your knowledge, your expertise, your fine tuning of your skills at a pretty rapid rate. If you maybe just started out at the beginning of 2023, you had no idea what you were doing. And then this past year, you have been continually putting out pieces, taking in more knowledge, pivoting, learning as you go. The amount that you charged in 2023 January versus December for your pieces should be pretty substantially different, in my opinion, at least. Because when you first start out, not only is the piece maybe not as good as it could be? Maybe not. You might start out with like very great attention to detail and because you had taken in so much knowledge, you were already getting a really great flawless finish and you knew all the things to do. That is very possible. That's not how I personally started out. I've definitely improved as I gone, but I have seen some photos of people posting their first flips and they look from the photos at least, absolutely exquisite. So I do think there's people who just have a knack for that inherently, probably a little bit more, maybe a little bit more artistically inclined. But regardless, as your skills improve and the quality and the durability and everything that goes into you as a business and a business owner and your customer service and everything is improving, your prices should be going up. And also, you know, if you've been doing this for a couple of years now, you've probably noticed the cost of everything else going up quite substantially in terms of maybe your competitors' prices, maybe the supplies that you're purchasing, maybe the inventory pieces that you're picking up. Everything has exponentially gone up. Groceries, utilities, internet, everything. Everything is so expensive. So likewise, don't feel bad about raising your prices. And if you are hearing this and you're like, oh my God, of course, why have I not even thought about that? I've been charging the same thing for the last four years that I've been doing this. Because if you're anything like me, you might have blinked and realized that you've been doing this for four years and it's felt like six months because what are COVID years and months and time and what, where am I and how old am I and what day is it? 
IQ minor mental breakdown. Um, but yeah, it's been four years for me, and that is a good reminder for me that I've been doing this for four years. I've been getting better for four years, and my prices should have increased a fair bit in that time as a result. So if you haven't been doing it, take a look at it. If you haven't done an environmental scan lately of your area and your competitors and everything like that, add it to your to-do list because you may be surprised at what you see if you haven't been staying up to date with things in the last little bit. But if you're somebody that has yet to sell a piece or maybe you started selling your pieces but you just kind of winged it and you didn't really know what to do or you just chose a number out of thin air or something that felt right for you and you are searching and seeking out another approach or something that you could do to price your pieces then I have a couple suggestions but also if you've set your number at something and it's been selling and it's working for you maybe you don't need to change that but still listen to the episode because there might be some things that are worth thinking about because I'm never going to tell you to lower your prices but you you might need to raise them or you might want to raise them after you hear this okay so stay tuned so like I mentioned you can do an environmental scan which is just looking at your area at the market and seeing what other people are charging So that may include talking to other refinishers in your area if you are familiar with them or just doing a Google search and looking some up and reaching out to them. If you have listened to episode 10, Community Over Competition, I talk about putting together a group of local furniture refinishers on Instagram just so we could connect and get to know each other and it has been a great opportunity to send referrals, share information, get input on pricing and things like that. So that might be something that you're interested in setting up or doing on your own. Or you can just have private one-on-one conversations. I think it's great to network in that way and build those relationships because it's good information to get because you're you're trying to align with each other, right? You're not going to like ask somebody what they charge and then charge 20% less so that you would get any customers if they were comparing between the two of you and who to go with, right? You're wanting to raise the price of the industry as a whole so that everybody is winning and everybody is profiting. So taking a look at who is around, reaching out to those people, but also if that's not your vibe or you're just looking to do something a little bit quicker and, and just gather some data, you can also look on things like Marketplace and other places that you sell your pieces, OfferUp, Craigslist, Kijiji, whatever it is that you use, Etsy perhaps, and see what people are charging for pieces that you commonly do. So maybe a tall boy dresser that's solid wood, maybe a set of nightstands that are your average size, maybe a coffee table. And that's going to look different for each person. Most people tend to have a certain style that they lean towards, or they might have one that they lean towards, but then they also will integrate other pieces. So like, just take a look and you'll see which one's kind of called to you. And then take note of how much that person is charging. If they're in your area, that's really good information to know for how much to list your prices at. Granted, keep in mind that the pieces that you're seeing are the ones that are currently available, unless you're on something like Etsy that you can see pieces that are sold out. But anything that's currently on Marketplace is probably not yet sold. So grain of salt with the prices that you're seeing there. 
But something you can do is if there's a save feature on that online marketplace, you can save those pieces and kind of keep an eye on them for the next, you know, week or two or whatever. And it will notify you if they do sell. And then you can take that data in and add it as a data point and be like, okay, that dresser sold for this amount. It was listed this long ago and it sold in this amount of time. And that'll give you like a rough idea Again, none of it's prescriptive and it's just kind of to start to see the trends and that can help you to establish what is a rough range to be selling pieces like that. So that's one aspect of what you can do. But again, do that just to keep a relative idea because ultimately you want to look at yourself and your own business and factor in all of those numbers as the most important factor when determining your price. So you're going to want to look at your expenses, your time, and your output because you want to have a high profit margin, especially if you are a business, if you're registered as a business, if you're looking to grow this into a business or grow the business further, you really want to be looking at your profit margin. So how much did you put into the piece? What is the piece going to sell at? And then how much profit is left in there. You know, if you're only profiting like $20 on something and it's like a larger item, it's not really it's not really worth all the time probably and the energy and the effort that you're putting in because your time is also valuable. Just a quick reminder here, I feel like I say this all the time, but I feel like it's the easiest thing to overlook, forget, or kind of push to the side because you're like, well, you know, like yeah, my time is valuable, but like I, I enjoy being in the workshop and I, I want to do this and like I want to help this person out because like this is her grandmother's dresser. So of course I want to like help her to update it so she can have it in her house and I feel good doing it and I get those warm tingly feelings out of it. So like really like the profit that I get doesn't matter because like money doesn't matter to me and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't want to go into debt for people you may or may not know because of this thing that you may or may not really love doing. It's still a business at the end of the day and you have to look at those numbers and you have to be really objective when you're looking at those numbers and looking at the things in your business. Especially if you're a business, you want to be looking at this because other people, when you do that environmental scan, there may be people who are charging less than the number that you determine when you look at all of these costs that you input, but you don't know what their profit margins look like. You don't know what their business looks like. You don't know if they're ultimately losing money and eating the cost of it and they're not really realizing it because maybe they have other sources of income that they are more focused on and they just do this on the side and they're not really keeping track of things, but they're just doing this as a hobby and selling it off. So you could look at that number that the thing sold for and be like, oh, I have to be selling it for that little of money if I want it to sell, but that's not necessarily the case and don't take that as the be all end all. Like I said, if everyone raises their prices together and you're all in a rough area, you can raise the standard in your area, like in your municipality, in your neighborhood, like whatever city, wherever you live. If everybody has the same goal in mind, then that can raise the standard in the area. 
And when you look at those prices that other people are posting on Marketplace as well, I would recommend looking at kind of like the average because there may be some people who are listing and selling their pieces for a really high number. There may be some people who are listing and selling their prices for a very low number. But look at what the average is and then set your prices either at the average or above towards that higher end. Because again, those people who are selling it for next to nothing may not be taking all of these things into account. They may not be doing this for very long as a result. And I never recommend that you set your prices low because ultimately it's going to cheapen the look of the restoration or the painted or refinished furniture, especially if you do a really good job on it. And I bet you do a really good job on your pieces, but you may not necessarily think that or you may be super nitpicky and perfectionist. Well, if you listen to last week's episode, you know how I feel about that word, but you may feel like you see all these errors in your pieces and like they aren't good and nobody would ever want them and you have so much more that you have to do and you have to get so much better if you want to have pieces like the people you see on Instagram. But if you take that self-doubt and that self-deprecating mindset and you put that forward when you are determining the prices of your pieces... And you're like, you know what? I'll just do I'll just do this price. It's like the cheapest one that I saw somebody list it for, but like at least then I'll know that it'll get sold. For the people that are seeing that listing, they're probably like, "Oh, what's wrong with the piece? Like this looks really nice, but it shouldn't be this low." And they're not going to look at you as a business, as an expert, as someone who believes in themselves, believes in the product that they're providing. Like it has a very counterintuitive effect and impact when you do that. So just remember that you'll never win the game of offering the lowest price. There is no benefit in trying to because somebody will always come around and try and list something for less. And also keep in mind, depending what online platform you're using to sell your pieces, people may very well come in and try and negotiate under that price that you posted it for, even if it's like stupid low to start with. So also keep that in mind. You want to build in probably some negotiation room or some wiggle room. And then if somebody comes along and they're willing to pay that price at the top end of the wiggle room, like what you listed it for, then even better, then you know that it was actually worth that amount. Somebody saw the value in the piece and is willing to invest that amount to have your work in their home. And when it comes to trying to charge the least amount or lumping yourself in with the people who are charging a really marginal amount, also consider the fact that they very mel- that they very well may not be a business or somebody attempting to be a business. This could just be somebody that's just coming across pieces for free. They're putting some paint on it that they already have sitting in their home. They're listing it and they're just trying to like do the work on it for something to do and they're not even looking to have a profit. They're not looking at those numbers. They're just doing it for fun maybe trying to make a couple extra bucks for fun money and they don't do it consistently. It's just a hobby. Also consider the fact that you don't necessarily know the quality of work that is going into these pieces. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at some of the listings on Marketplace, but there's times when you really can't tell the quality of the piece or the quality of the finish of the piece based on the photos. There may be not the greatest lighting involved, not the greatest angles involved. Photos can also be deceiving sometimes with all the tricks with iPhones. Some people also edit their photos, which 
for me personally, I don't, in a selling situation, I don't see the benefit of, especially if you're trying to like counteract the tones and stuff. You're like, oh, that picture's kind of dark because of the lighting. I'm going to try and brighten it up and increase the saturation. And you're doing all these things to try and make like overall the photo look better. But you probably, when doing so, are impacting the color and tones of the piece that you refinished. And so you're not showing a real representation of what the piece looks like for that client who is interested in putting that piece in their home, probably is trying to coordinate with other pieces that they have in their home, making sure the wood tones are similar, making sure it's a complementary color based on what's already in their space or what they're seeking out for their space. So for me personally, I don't find that to be a very good business practice. You know, if you want to brighten it up a little bit and it's not going to impact anything happening on the piece itself, go ahead. Yes, you want to attract clients to click on that listing, but also you want the client to show up and have the product that they thought they were purchasing and have them be satisfied with that comparison versus having a billion people click on the listing a person is really excited for it and then they finally see it and they're like, this isn't what I thought it was. And again, because mindset is so important and as I am telling you to go and look at other people's work and compare your work to theirs and price it accordingly, also keep in mind, just a little reminder, comparison is the thief of joy. So like I said, be objective when doing this. Do it from an analytical standpoint. Take that data in, those data points, those numbers, those values. We're going to leave our feelings out of it. We're going to leave that negative inner voice out of it. We want to focus more on taking that data, utilizing it however we see fit, and then putting our focus on improving ourselves and our abilities versus taking too much time or harping too much on what others are doing and how good they are and how much they're putting out or how much you think the pieces that they're doing are better than yours or whatever it is that your mind is making up and really focusing in on. Comparison is the thief of joy. Just focus on you, doing what you can, improving yourself in the ways that you are able to right now in this moment in time because you don't know how long they've been doing it. You don't know if they have help doing it. You don't know if it's the only thing they're doing in their life. You don't know if they've edited the photos. You don't know anything. You don't know anything other than what you see in front of you. So don't make any assumptions and don't spend more than two seconds thinking about it. And if you see yourself going in this direction and really staying there longer than you ought to for your own mental health, this might mean that maybe you need a little little social media diet for a little bit. Maybe you go through and you mute some accounts for 30 days. Maybe you say, you know what, I'm just going to give Instagram like a little bit of a a breather for a while, or I'm not going to let myself go on Marketplace this month. Take some time away, focus on what's actually important to you, what's in front of you, what you are working on, what you're trying to get better at, and that's going to have way more impact in your life and in your business and in your mind than anything else would. And when you are having doubts on the price that you are listing your piece at, maybe you put the numbers together and you're like, okay, I think I think this amount is what I'm going to list it for. And it's a little bit higher than I normally would, but like, it's scary, but I think I'm going to do it. And hopefully somebody purchases it and 
validates this feeling because I don't really know if I should, but I want to, and the numbers are telling me I should, but then I'm kind of scared to. Just a reminder that your clients and the people who support you and maybe follow you on social media or are purchasing your pieces or are getting commission work done by you or are maybe just admirers of your work. Maybe they follow you on Marketplace to see pieces that you post because they love the style of things that you do. They just haven't seen one that works well in their space yet. Just remember that those people are coming to you for you and for your quality, not because you have the cheapest price. They're coming to you specifically, basically regardless of what you're charging. They want you and your unique style and the flavor that you bring to your refinishing. They may feel a connection to you and something that you have shared about your journey into business or about your business and what it represents or maybe something about the name of your business really resonates with them. Maybe they follow you on social media and you shared something that really caught their attention or they've developed a connection with you over time, just seeing some behind the scenes of your life and running the business, or they may be a cheerleader for you in your business because they discovered you when you were just starting out this business and now they've seen you grow and seen how you have developed and your style has changed and evolved. They feel that connection to you and that's why they're coming to you, not just because they're looking for the lowest price that is out there. They may also really like the way that you do business. So make sure that you are doing business in a way that aligns with you and the customer service or the pieces that you want to put out or the quality that you want to put out. Make sure that's always aligned because that's something that other people really do notice. I've gotten a lot of referrals from other refinishers over the years and I'll always reach out and thank them for the referral. And... On a few different occasions, people have said, you know, I've just watched what you've been doing with your business and how you've grown and I love the way that you do it and the way that you approach it and the way that you share information with others and stuff like that. And they've said that that's like why they wanted to bring the business my way, which is such valuable feedback for me to to validate that what I'm doing is, is right. It feels right. It feels aligned to my values, but you know, if that was ever something that I was calling into question, that would be a good reminder. No, keep doing what you're doing. And it's also just like so heartwarming too, because it's like, you know, you can, you can live by your value system and feel like that's the right thing to do. But if you're not getting that, like, we all like positive validation every now and then, you know, you like to like get a little like Slap on the back, like you're doing a good job, kid. So that kind of thing always is like, a, okay, right, yes, good, right on. So remember that people are noticing the way you do business. And on the flip side too, if you do something a little bit shitty, like people talk, you know, people talk. Even if you're in a big city, you'd be surprised how small this world is. Seven degrees of separation, you know? So keep that in mind that like, if you do something shitty, people will probably find out. And also... By the way, if, if you hadn't noticed it recently, the internet is there too. And there are places to leave reviews. There are places to be public and loud if you want to be public and loud. So do what you can to conduct yourself and your business in a respectable manner. Be fair. Own up to your shit if you make a mistake. And always try and do right by your clients because that's the thing that people will remember and will appreciate about you. 
Okay, that was a tangent. What were we talking about? Your clients are going to come to you for you. And also, they're looking to you as an expert, and they're seeing either the pieces that you're working on or the pieces that you put out, and they think that you could handle the item that they have to refinish if it's for custom work or that you would be able to provide a product that was good enough that they are looking for. Maybe they saw something in a magazine or at like an online retailer that they would like replicate it and they're like, you know what? I know the person for the job for this. And they're reaching out to you because they think that you have that expertise to make that happen. They're not doing it because they think that you're the cheapest, okay? So you don't have to be the cheapest because you want to make this feel good for you, right? You don't want to resent the amount of money that you get for all of the work that you put into a piece. If you have done any furniture makeovers as of yet, you know that it doesn't happen in two seconds. There's time, there's energy, there's sometimes blood, sweat, and tears that needs to go into these pieces. Sometimes it's easy, breezy, flows well, you can vibe while you do it, but sometimes it's it's not the case and the amount of money that you get, you want to reflect that hard work that you put in so that you are motivated to do the next one and to continue on with this and you don't want to like roundhouse kick the next piece of furniture that you see because you're absolutely sick of it. And also keep in mind that the prices that you are setting now are kind of setting a precedent for the prices that you charge in the future. Now, I know I said that you should be increasing your prices as you go, and I stand by that, but also keep in mind that if somebody is buying a piece from you at a certain price, they're going to now think, at least that that is the ballpark in which your pieces sit. So if they come back to you and they really like the piece that they got, especially for the price they got it at, like, can you imagine? They're like, I'm going to go back to that girl to find another dresser. But then they come to you and they are expecting another dresser around that price. But like, you only put that dresser at that price because you really wanted the dresser to sell. And then once it sold, you're like, oh my God, I should have actually listed it for way more. Now I regret that. But now this person's coming to you thinking that that is the norm for you. And if you say, oh no, actually, charging triple what I charged then, they're going to be like, oh, that seems like a big difference. But if they came to you and that dresser was initially around that three times mark, they probably would be happy to pay that anyways. And then when they come back to you, they would be expecting to pay that same amount. Like there wouldn't be the jump or the difference that they maybe would be fine with, but they also may be like, oh, I wasn't really thinking in my head that it would be that much. Like, let me go back to the drawing board and I'll get back to you. And that can be about a piece that they bought from you or also a commission piece that you did from them. So if you're offering commission work, I would strongly suggest that you take even longer to look at the pricing structure that you are offering because I know for me at least, a lot of clients that I have are repeat clients, whether they come in from buying a piece on Marketplace from me and then they want another piece, so they buy another piece that I have offered or they have a piece that they are looking to get, so we source one together and then do a custom on it or they have another piece in their home that they want to match that initial piece, so then we do a custom on it or they come to me for custom work and then we do a custom on it and then they come back for another custom or they see another piece that I listed because now they're in my ecosystem and then they buy one of my pieces. Like whatever the path forward is, a lot of people that I deal with come back for more pieces because the reality is you end up having a lot of furniture in your house and then every few years you're wanting to switch it out. Maybe if you're someone that 
cares about how your home looks a lot and and you kind of like to stay with the trends. So they're going to have an idea of what they think you charge and you set that precedent from the get-go. So although your prices can increase over time and people will understand that if they come to you and you say, just a heads up, my prices have gone up 10, 15, 20, whatever percent since last year, cost of living, inflation, whatever, they'll understand, but be weary and aware of where you set it from the get-go because of that. And another reason that I encourage you to charge a little bit more for custom work is because you can't always foresee the challenges that will lay in front of you with a custom piece. Typically, you're providing an estimate based off of a couple of photos and a little bit of information that a client has provided. Often the photos aren't like, you know, as beautifully staged and and as great of lighting and as detailed as we might take of them because that's not what these people do for a living. So they're not doing that. They're just taking a picture quickly when they get home from work and they almost pitch black and being like, here's the piece. Can you do this to it? So it can be difficult to know if there's any like hidden surprises or challenges that you will run into. Also, quick aside, but a good way to help with this is to make sure that you have all the information that you need ahead of time, which is made so much easier by having all the questions that you need answered, answered in one consolidated place, like a custom project intake form. And if you do not have one as of yet, I have put together a free guide telling you how to put one together and sharing the questions that I include in mine. So if you haven't grabbed it yet, make sure you go over to my website to snag that. It's at meldidherself.ca slash custom dash guide. I've also linked it in the show notes of this episode. So much easier to have all the information that you need in one place to provide an informed estimate for your custom, but that's neither here nor there. The point being that sometimes things can pop up that you don't know are going to take added supplies or added time when you are completing this custom. So building in a little bit of wiggle room and pricing it a little bit higher than the numbers may tell you they should be is probably in your best interest because in a perfect world, everything goes to plan, time-wise, steps-wise, repairs-wise, etc. And then you can just profit that increased amount and have a higher profit margin. But in the case that there's something that you didn't realize or you run into some sort of hurdle along the way, then you're going to have that built in and you don't have to go back to the client and be like, actually, I didn't really realize that it was like this and I'm going to have to increase the price, which you absolutely can do. It is totally within your right to do. But I know for so many people, talking about money feels yucky and icky to start with. So to have to do that, a lot of people will not have that conversation. They are conflict averse and they don't even want the potential of that turning into a negative interaction. So they will avoid it altogether and they will eat that cost out of their own pocket. And I do not want you to be doing that because again, you are a business. So just build in that extra amount from the get-go, whatever whatever makes sense to you, whatever feels good, an extra 5, 10, 15, 20% on top of what you would typically charge, maybe more, maybe a lot more that will ensure that you end up having ample space to do whatever needs to get done. And keep in mind that, yes, these amounts may seem like a lot of money. And when you think about it and how expensive things are day to day now, and you know how much people are struggling, you can really easily get into the mindset of feeling guilty for how much you are charging for your pieces. I know 
that has been my experience where I'm like, who the fuck is going to pay this much money for like a dresser or whatever it is that I've done? But keep in mind that number one, you are not for everybody. There is a specific market of people that you are trying to reach and it's people who like the style of furniture that you do are looking for refinished pieces and that are willing to pay your price and I guarantee there is likely a market out there for you as long as you're making yourself readily able to be seen and those people are willing to pay for the quality for the expertise and for the great lasting finish that they're going to get from you it's a unique style sometimes it's a customized thing that's made to look perfect in their home and to match all the colors and tones and the shapes and the styles to integrate perfectly into their home, a piece that they maybe have been looking for days, weeks, months, years for in retailers and they have not been able to find and you're able to provide that perfect piece to finish off their space, people are willing to pay for that. So remember that. Don't feel guilty about it. Nobody is going to agree to money that they shouldn't or can't or won't be able to pay. That's why you have a contract in case they turn around and they don't want to. You have something that said they agreed to it, but they're willing to pay for that. But also, if you're charging that high amount, you don't want to disappoint them. You want them to get what they expected to get and you want them to be satisfied with it. So you want to make sure that you still have great attention to detail. You want to have that great lasting finish you know, have everything look good, dot your I's, cross your T's, etc., etc., and find inexpensive ways that you can bring some delight to that experience for them and make it enjoyable. So be responsive, be positive, be helpful, provide your expertise. If there's anything that you can do that's helpful for them to add in that's not going to cut into your profit margins too much or you build into your overall numbers from the beginning like adding extra paint, adding some people add a paintbrush, some people add a little microfiber cloth, some people add wood conditioner, like whatever it is that you want to add a little sample of or a full-size product, like whatever works for you and your business and your numbers Find ways to make that a really great, enjoyable experience for your clients. And they are going to, A, be happy that they chose you. B, be so satisfied with the amount that you charged, regardless of what that amount is. And C, tell their friends and brag about the piece that they got because people love showing off new shit in their home. And you better believe they're going to mention your name and your business when people ask where they got it. And D, they'll come back to you when they are looking for another piece or if there's something that they would like but they're not seeing out there, they're going to ask you if you'd be able to do it for them. You're going to be their go-to furniture person if you don't shit the bed on this interaction. So do what you can. And again, like I said, people make mistakes, whatever shit happens, but own up to it if it ever does. Be friendly, be positive, make it a really great interaction for that person and you will be their go-to for life. And again, I just want to reiterate, they are seeing you as the expert in this interaction. So you can provide your recommendations, your advice based on what you've done on previous pieces, what you think gives the best finish. I'll often ask to see photos of the room that the piece is going in if people are looking for my input on colors or finishes or hardware or liners and they'll send over photos of other pieces in their space and I can help them, you know, put together a bit of a mood board, things like that. Because 
remember that you probably live in that space so much more than they do. Sorry, not their space in their home, but like the interior design space and looking at furniture and trending furniture. And you have a full feed of refinished furniture, probably if you're someone that's interested in furniture makeovers. The average person does not see that all day, every day. So a lot of the times people come to me and they're like, I kind of like have an idea of what I want, but I can't spit it out or like articulate it but like I want it light or I want it dark or I want it like this kind of style and here's a room that it's going in. Can you help me? And that for me is so fun to be able to essentially like make over a room that I don't then need to pay for all the things to make it over, but I can still see the satisfaction of the before and after. But they're seeing you as the expert in this situation. So don't shy away from those recommendations and leaning into what you know, even if it seems like something that's so basic that obviously everybody that refinishes furniture knows. Yeah, maybe they do, but this person doesn't refinish furniture, so they very well may not know. So share that with them and you can show them that you know what you're talking about and that can add to your credibility as a service provider. And because they see you as the expert, I really just don't want you to let that imposter syndrome make you shy away from getting paid what you deserve. Because like I said, we downgrade our work. We think we're not as good as we are. We think people won't be willing to pay large amounts of money for these pieces, especially if we found the piece on the side of the road. We got it for free. We had a lot of these products sitting around already in our home. We didn't invest a lot of time or energy or money into it. That does not matter. It's the product in the end and how it looks and what somebody values it at that matters. So don't let that imposter syndrome pull you away from charging what you are worth. You are worth it, my friend. And on the flip side, if you want another way to ensure that you are getting maximum profit for your pieces, And maybe you don't want to increase your prices too much, or maybe you've tried to increase them in the past, but you've kind of hit that threshold of what people are willing to pay, but you would still ideally like to increase your profit margins. One other alternative that you have is to keep your inventory, the initial piece that you are purchasing to make over, and the products and supplies that you're purchasing to do so as inexpensive as possible. And that will also increase your profits because the lower the supplies, And the higher the amount that you sell the piece, the more profit that's going to be in between, right? And that's going to keep your prices where they currently are, but you'll have less upfront costs. So look at your expenses, look at the supplies that you're purchasing. I have shared a lot of tips on how to do this in the past. I will link a couple episodes in the show notes where I've gone into depth on ways that you can keep your supply costs low, different things that you may not have thought about. Also when purchasing new tools and things like that and being cost effective when doing so. That is something that I think we often don't really think about because we're in our groove of going to this certain place to purchase this certain product and we're so busy and running around all the time that we don't even stop to think about those things. So just a little reminder if you needed it and if you need a little bit of motivation or a pick-me-up and something to encourage you to charge more for your pieces, I would like to present you with a little exercise that I would like you to do periodically. I would like you to go online or you know what? Go get yourself a silly little drink and go to your closest furniture retailer that is near you. And I want you to walk around with that silly little drink in your hand and you can have a little sippy sip and walk over to pieces that you think look kind of like the vibe of the things that you sell. And I would like you to direct your eyes down to the price tag on that piece of furniture and take a little peeky peek. 
I guarantee you that it is like at least twice as much as you are charging for your pieces, if not more, especially if you have places around you or you are frequenting the higher end sites like Restoration Hardware or other trendy stores like CB2 or West Elm or even other trendy but kind of less expensive or more like kind of not liquidation style but you know like there's a few pieces available but they're gone when they're gone like HomeSense or a Marshalls or even like Ikea Honestly, all of them guaranteed are charging more than you are charging for your pieces if you're someone who needs to increase the prices of your pieces. And they are charging those prices while offering probably much more basic and certainly less unique and less customized pieces. And they also very well may be made with far cheaper and less long-lasting materials. Like a lot of Ikea and those kinds of retailers, honestly not even just Ikea, like so many things on Wayfair, so many things at these other retailers are almost exclusively made up of MDF and laminate and things like that. And not to say that those are bad materials. There is great lasting furniture made of those materials, but if you have a solid ass piece of wood furniture that has an awesome finish, you've restored it, you've painted it, you've done a combination of the both, whatever, look at that price tag and tell me that you feel guilty now charging the amount that you are thinking about charging. And then you finish your little silly drink and you walk your cute little booty home and you hop on Marketplace and you increase those prices, okay bitch? That's an order. And something you may not know about me, I love little motivational messages. They always get me fired up. If you can't tell already, I have a little bit of a tough love approach. I hope you appreciate it, and I hope I didn't scare you away. And I keep a running list of ones that are especially catchy or speak to me in the notes app on my phone. And I end every podcast episode with one of those that I've noted down over the years in hopes that you leave our time here each week feeling inspired, feeling motivated, and feeling ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is you sometimes lose by taking risks, but you always lose by holding back. So I encourage you to take your risks, increase those prices. Maybe you find that threshold of where you can price your pieces, where it's taking a lot longer for the pieces to sell, or maybe it sits for a long time and there's no bites. And I mean like a long, long time because sometimes pieces can sit for quite a while and without lowering those prices, somebody will come around that purchases that piece and may just be a more unique piece and the right person isn't looking at that time. But take that risk because you're always going to lose. You're always going to stay where you are and making the amount of money that you are and having the same amount of confidence in your skills that you currently have unless you increase those prices and find what you're really worth find what you are really capable of getting and really building that name for yourself as the high quality business and business owner that you are. And on top of that, then you're going to be much more comfortable with taking risks in the future. And I think that is such an invaluable skill to have in this world, in business, in this world on earth, because that's the only way that you get shit done is by taking those risks and either seeing that it made sense for you to do or you learn a lesson along the way. But you sometimes lose by taking risks, but you are going to always lose if you hold back, my friend. All right, that's it for today. I appreciate your time and I'll catch you guys next week.